Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sports Nuts and Beer Guts Podcast, episode number, Matt Hickman. 64? Sure. sure, we're going to go 63. with 63.5 right there that I heard, and uh, we'll roll with it, but um, good to see you guys. Uh, you heard the voices, Matt Hickman, usual on the podcast. How's it going tonight, sir? I'm just fine. How you boys doing? Doing well, doing well. We've also got the pod father himself, Mr. Chris oh. Collett. How's it going, sir? What a nickname. I love pod father. That's pretty it's, good. It's going great. Had a good day. All right. Well, we'll get right into it. We'll roll a little bit later tonight. Uh, had to uh, do a little play practice pickup this evening, but how about that good weekend this last weekend, especially for our Tennessee Vols, rebounding from the loss in Columbia. Uh, final score was in the 60s, wasn't 56. it? 56. 56 to, 56 to nothing. Nothing. Uh, the shutout, the blowout, we needed it. Trying to get back in the playoff picture, potentially possible. It doesn't look like it at this point, but we'll go there in just a minute. But let's first just talk about the good win. Uh, we needed the points. It was good to see uh, Milton get some balls in the air. Still over and throwing some, but, you know, good win for the Vols. They needed it. It's Vandy. Uh, you know, more Tennessee fans in the stands than Vandy fans. Uh, Great to see, but I'll let you guys comment on that game first. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. I'll let you go, Hickey. Yeah, okay. I'll let you go. curious your thoughts. Um, you know, it was it was good to see. Um, me, the running game was really cranked up. I I, I like to see. Um, you know, Hypo basically came out there, and it hasn't happened a lot over the past you know few years. But they just out athleted Vanderbilt. Just. This hey, we got more talent. Just, ball. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna run five plays and you can't stop it. Um worked well. Um I <sighs> Vanderbilt I thought would be friskier though. I mean, I knew they didn't have the talent to keep up, but they had just won back to back games over Kentucky and Florida, which I I mean that's Incredible for for Vandy. Beat, I mean, they beat Florida for what the second time in like thirty years. Yeah. So so stick on that for just a second. I didn't see any of that Florida game where they got beat. But what exactly happened? Yeah. What exactly <laughs> happened there? Because the Vandy that I saw against Tennessee, no way that exactly. team beats uh, Florida. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I watched part of that game, but I mean, Vanderbilt ran the ball on them. They converted a lot of third downs. Quarterback looked all right, and they slowed down Richardson. I, I mean, Richardson's not good. I think I think Vandy scored enough points to keep it competitive, and when it was got to the third quarter, still competitive. It got to the fourth quarter, still competitive. Uh, Vandy got hope, and Florida was like, "It's Vanderbilt. Why do I care?" And just, <laughs> I guess it's really what it looked like. It was kind of Florida of old. Uh, Late late season Florida, you never. It's a wild card, especially when they have a couple losses already to their name, or more yeah, than they, a couple. Go ahead, go ahead. No, it was uh, th- th- that was strange, and I guess I was in some ways, you know, putting a little bit of credence in those past two Vanderbilt wins, thinking that Vandy would come out and give it a game. But no, it's good to see Tennessee just be sharp after the debacle in in Columbia. Um, <laughs> So so yeah, it was um 
I mean, Milton, I mean, he didn't really show us much. He had that early dart to, to Hyatt, um, you know, about 60 yards on the fly. I mean, he's 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 the guy that will throw for 6,000 yards and complete 3,000 of them. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens next year. Ceiling super high. Um, but no, I thought it was a fitting uh, fitting into the to the regular season. All I, right, Chris, what do you think about the game itself? I agree with win? that. Uh, I got like four points on the Vandy win. All right. Uh, All right, let's hear them. These are in no order whatsoever, but I'll start with the spread was 14 points. Uh, Heupel against Vanderbilt uh, with 14 points. I don't care who the hell his team is. Uh, I'm betting on that all day. So I bet first quarter, which is minus five and a half, first half minus seven and a half, and full game minus 14. DraftKings even let me go up to uh, minus 18 and a half on an alternate spread. So I'd bet that one too. Uh, none of those were ever in doubt. So thank you, DraftKings, for the free money. It also yeah. got me to look at my DraftKings, look at my lifetime betting uh, statement on DraftKings. I'm up $200. Uh, I feel like I'm up about two grand on a uh, first half Hypel. Uh, Hypel's been very, very generous to me. Uh, I've so is there very... a way you can go back and run these numbers and check on your first half hypo stats? Because uh, um, we've, you've you've talked about it for a straight solid year now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, about this first half hypo uh, money that's to be made out there. So we gotta we gotta tell the listeners how to not leave money on the table. Yeah, this that's that's an off season project. <laughs> Let me go back and look at my uh, first half hypo bets and see and see what I am. I, I really think I'm probably two grand up. So. Overall lifetime, I'm up two hundred dollars, so that means I'm down uh, about eighteen hundred dollars overall. If first half hypo didn't exist, so gambling's not for everybody. It's not for me. That's why I don't gamble much. But first half hypo feels like a cheat code. Uh, so that's that one. Um, another one. I was watching the game, and uh, I've kind of had this idea since last year watching Joe Milton overthrow receivers that are wide ass open. Uh, <laughs> Made it into a drinking game. Uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving night, I was uh, I was back at the house by myself. Wife and kids were in West Tennessee, so every time Heupel uh, overthrew a receiver that was wide ass open, I took a shot. It was a very drunken game uh, for this guy. You were you were, just, you were just watching it by yourself doing that. Yeah, I may need to so call like a number a, or something. Yeah, I might have a problem. Uh, who, who was it? Uh, Thurgood that sang that song? Yeah, Matt, you got to help me out here. George uh, Thurgood? George Thurgood. I drink Which one? The, <laughs> one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Well, that one would work, but I think it's the one where uh, I, I drink alone. Oh, yeah, with nobody else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. I, I feel like I was drinking with friends because uh, I had a separate group text and uh, with my golfing buddies, and we hey, we no, were no judgment here, no judgment. We were we were texting back and forth, so it made me feel like uh, less of an alcoholic uh, <laughs> during the game. But there was lots of shots taken because uh, Joe Milton has a hell of an arm. Uh, <laughs> that he does. That he yeah. does. And oh, the last one. Uh, I was watching the game, and most of the time I get nothing whenever. Um, the play-by-play guys uh, and the commentators talk about something besides the game, but uh, they were talking about Heupel's uh, view on possessions, and it was like, hey, uh, we're going to have 11 possessions this game based on 
uh, computer projections kind of thing. So we're going to score X amount per possession. And they even talked about the South Carolina game saying, hey, he was felt he felt okay with where he was uh, relative to the game flow and possessions left that they could overcome it. And then once they got stopped for a second time in the second half, he's, he's like, yeah, I there's a problem. We're going to have to get lucky from here on out. But just hearing that conversation made me feel great about Heupel. Uh, that's why he goes forward on fourth down, because he does view punts as turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it kills the possession. Uh, and the way he valued possessions uh, and kind of kept up with possessions versus uh, score versus game flow, uh, it made me feel great about him as our head coach. So. Rarely do I get stuff from that, but that was something ESPN had that was uh, it was a cool listen. And I was just like, this is right up my alley. Like you could tell Josh Heupel's played a lot of NCAA football back in the early 2000s. And uh, and <laughs> he, I, I mean, because remember, like on those games, you're like, OK, I got the uh, double possession into the, end of the first half, start of the mm-hmm. third. So it's not completely over or I, I need to stop here. You know what I mean? Like you you're kind of playing the possession game in NCAA football because you score so often. Uh so it it made me feel great about Heupel. So it was a great night well, Saturday, especially with that offense. And uh, that, that's good to know. I wish I would have heard that. I didn't hear that, but uh, that's cool. I may have to go back and listen to that. But leading from that conversation, so Tuesday the college football rankings came out, and of course we are behind Alabama, who we beat head to head, have a stronger schedule than, and beat LSU, who they lost to as well. But Let's go to the college football playoff. How about we do that? Um, just give your general impressions. And uh, from where we are right now to after this coming weekend, there's a lot of big games that are going to determine some things. So uh, whoever wants to start it out, give us your I'll, impression. What's going to happen? I'll go first and throw out like team by team. And I think we all agree on most of it. All right. Um, Georgia, Michigan, one, two. Uh, I would even argue you could put them in either any order you want. Uh, Georgia's not played anybody. Uh, Georgia's schedule's really bad. Uh, so if you wanted to put Michigan one and Georgia two, I really wouldn't complain too much. Uh, it's six one way, half dozen the other. Uh, and it really doesn't matter if they're one or two because three and four are basically the same team, uh, just different jerseys, in my opinion. Uh, TCU and USC, uh, both very flawed teams. Uh, so one and two, I think we would agree on. They're the two best teams in the in the uh, nation this year. Uh, TCU is in the playoffs regardless of what happens this weekend. If they get beat 42-3, to three, I think that's the only exception. Uh, if they just get embarrassed, I think something might happen and they may fall, but they would have to get embarrassed pretty bad. Uh, USC, I think, has to win. I think if USC loses, I think they'll slide Ohio State up. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And the Tennessee-Alabama, my my Facebook feed was all up in arms about that. Uh, I kind of understand Alabama being ranked ahead of Tennessee. Uh, Alabama's literally two plays away from being undefeated on the season. Uh, they get The field goal kicker makes that field goal. There's a great chance they win at Tennessee uh, with what, what was their like? 20 seconds left in the game or so. Okay, what? I get that, but let's maybe say an LSU and LSU. I mean, if they stop them on the two point conversion, I mean, the game's over at that point. So, I mean, Alabama's pretty close, in my opinion, to be, and we got our ass kicked by South Carolina. So, 
Uh, you can't just gloss over all the facts that look good for Tennessee and just be like, yeah, we may have got our ass kicked by South Carolina. I mean, 25, I don't even know that was that close. It was it was a butt kicking. So I'm okay with that. We definitely got destroyed by them, and uh, we have the same record. But the head-to-head thing, just it, it seems illogical to me. I, I think if it came down to it, if if it was, uh, let's see, if USC, TCU, however it was, if we were fighting, if it was four and five and it was Alabama and Tennessee, I have to think that the voters would go with Tennessee at that point. But I could be wrong as, as the – as the ranking state right now, like that's already voted. But I think if people were held to the standard where this team is getting in the playoff, it might change. You know, I don't know. Um, cause the, the other side of it is Alabama is also a couple of plays from having four, four losses. losses. Yeah. yeah. They, they should have lost to Texas. Yeah. Um, oh, it's really five. Texas A&M and Ole Miss also. I forgot about Ole Miss. Yeah. Okay. So Tennessee had – I mean, the only games in question this year were, I guess, Florida. I guess Florida to some degree, but it was, I mean, I took an onside kick. Pitt, Pitt's the one. Overtime. Pitt and overtime. Um, nothing else has really been particularly close, um, including the losses. So it's, it's tough. Um, you know, overall schedules are pretty even. I think if Hendon Hooker was around, it just would make a difference to voters. It just would, for what it's worth. But hey, that, that's all hypothetical. I think I think this weekend, I agree with you, Chris. Um, Georgia, Georgia, Michigan won two. I mean, Michigan did have a criminal non-conference schedule. Yes, someone should punish them for that. And I think just for that, they should be second. If for any other reason, um, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. Come on, I think Georgia is pretty bad too. Oh, they had Oregon. They had Oregon. They had Oregon. Yeah, they had Oregon. Now, granted, it was neutral site. They're going to get three neutral site games in Atlanta this year. So Oregon, Georgia Tech. Good for them. Uh, hmm? Oh, four. Yeah. <laughs> SEC championship, and then the then the Peach. So they're <laughs> they're going to get yeah. four. Uh, so either either way, those are one two. TCU gets in either way because they already beat Kansas State. Um, so I. And, as long as it's not a forty-two to if it's a if it's a atrocious game and just they just get blitzed, which well, so, that never happens in the Big Twelve. So huh. I mean, every every game's high scoring. So fun fact: two thousand and three, going into the conference championship weekend, undefeated number one Oklahoma lost thirty-five to seven to Kansas State. Oh, um, I I think that's a scenario just because of the recency bias of of just. Your last impression of that team is just getting their ass kicked. Sure, they still I, got in though. They still uh, played for the national championship that year and lost to BCS. That was a BCS. It was, though, it was old BCS, right? and that was the yeah. that was the split national title between USC and um, L- and LSU. Which really, okay. what should have happened was it should have been USC and LSU play for the national championship, but alas, it did not. So anyway, yeah, if they get hammered, maybe. Um, and then, then the last spot, um, you know, USC has to win. You're right. I, I think they, they had a horrible schedule until the past two weeks, but the Notre Dame game kind of impressed me. Um, also, you know, they're going to get the Heisman. It's going to go to, to Caleb Williams. Williams. Yeah. I, I hope Utah boat races them. I honestly, I'd love, I'd love to see Utah win that game. Um, 
and now now it's going to be what I guess Ohio State gets in at that point. Um, we get an Ohio State Georgia matchup. Um, the other part of me was like, you know what? Go ahead and let TCU and USC win because I always was suspicious that even if Tennessee had gone um, eleven and one, they would have been left out with USC running the table. So then the South Carolina loss wouldn't hurt quite as much because I've got it in my head they were going to get leapfrogged in that circumstance. So I don't think there's any way they were going to get leapfrogged. Apple. I don't think so. Man, the the media, like, listen, they love USC. You, I mean, USC is always like they are always going to get the preferential treatment. Um, and yeah, it's just the the money, the hype would have been there. But it, either way, it doesn't matter. I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. I, I do think, I do think we are going to see an upset. I don't know which one. I think Georgia wins pretty handily. I think Purdue keeps it close with Michigan. Uh, surprisingly. Michigan should have lost Illinois for that matter. Um, That's fair. So Mi- Michigan's good, but Michigan's I, Blake Corum's out for the year. So right, right. They, they, I mean, they killed Ohio State without him, but I, I don't know. I, I think Utah could beat USC. One, one of one of USC or TCU is going to lose, in my in my estimation. But and then you know you got Ohio State just sitting there waiting, or or Alabama. Let let the I think know, t- TCU might. They might lose a close game, like one of those games that goes That's to overtime, good. just because it's gonna be high scoring. Uh, and they might fall to three to from three to four, just uh, just because of USC winning their their game if they win. Uh, oh. That's kind of uh, something funny about the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon was playing Oregon State this past weekend. All Oregon had to do is mm-hmm. win. They were up by about seventeen to twenty-one points at halftime. Uh, over Oregon State and a Oregon fan slash booster uh, bought a suite close to the 50 yard line uh, for the Pac-12 title game. Oh, <laughs> and it wow. apparently it caused such a stink. He uh, he was so mad about the loss, like he was actually wanting the coach fired over it, <laughs> which is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, great drama. You gotta love college football when stuff like that. That is really funny. Uh, yeah, that looking, is wonderful. Uh, also, speaking of this, Saturday is a phenomenal TV day. Uh, you get the 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Netherlands yeah. soccer semifinal knockout round. Uh, not semifinals. What is it? Just a knockout round? Knock, sweet, knockout sweet 16. Round of 16. Wait, this, is, yeah. Yeah. this is U.S. Netherlands at 9? Yep, yeah. 9 a.m. Get your well, coffee. Watch the match. Is it, is it 10 right. y'all's time or is it? Is it no, nine? it's nine my time. Okay, it's so eight, you got to get up now earlier, man. Well, I'm up every every day that early, <laughs> okay. so no big deal there. But yeah, you get that, and then you just lead into college football all day, uh, closing it out with the uh, ACC championship game. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a great one. <laughs> I'm glad that, it, that it's well, such a good, it's such a good game. It doesn't even have a stay in a long time. They made sure some another game was uh, yeah, at the same, same time. time as Purdue, Michigan. Hey, go. Uh, uh, you know, Dabo had some around. great quotes. He's, I think Dabo's going off the deep end. Uh, that guy's crazy. He's lost his marbles. He was well, always I mean, quirky. Saying, what What was the quote he had about um about the gas station receivers recently? Uh, it recently? was when we were playing. Yes, it was when we were playing. Oh yeah, uh, it was it was the week after because they were playing South Carolina. And He's probably talking about we're Clemson and USC is in California. And I saw a quote like that, but 
I, I don't know, but it was some wild quote. He had that. He also had a he had a great quote on in 2015 when he was talking about uh, building teams and how uh, you have to continually strive to uh, improve. Uh, once you, he's like it's the same as any big company. Once they stop striving to improve, they get complacent, plateau, and then die. Uh, and he's like, that's how coaching is too. You have to continue. To, and then they were talked about, hey, what about your quarterback? He sucks. Have you thought about like maybe because they have like the number one high school recruit yeah. uh, in the nation on their bench as a quarterback? Uh, they're like, hey, uh, any changes there? And he's like, why would I make changes? I'm Dabo, and this is how we this is how we do things. And just got so defensive about it. And you're just like, same guy that had a one hell of a quote seven years ago. But uh, interesting. Uh, He's, I, I feel like he's, his things, his gimmicks kind of ran its course. And I think we could be in for a couple uh, really fun years down in Clemson because I can't stay in that school. Well, let's move, Clemson, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. let's move on a little bit from the um, college football here because we do uh, want to keep it on football for just a second before we get to a uh, another interesting topic. But uh, Colt Steelers this last week. We got Steelers fan Matt Hickman, longtime, lifelong Steelers well, fan. I remember indeed. you talking about uh, the immaculate reception in middle school. I think <laughs> I probably did. I probably That's talked great. about. I probably did a paper on the immaculate reception, and yeah, you may have written like some short story about uh, Franco Harris. I can't yeah. remember. That absolutely sounds like me. So anyway, we wanted have- to. Uh, throw this in quickly and talk about the Colt Steelers matchup because uh, uh, the surprising result. I want to talk about your thoughts on your picket that was on uh, that was on uh, Chris's mind. So uh, let's hear it. Hey, I'm I'm pretty happy with Kenny Pickett. You know, he's uh, there have absolutely been worse quarterbacks. As, There's uh, worst as on the roster. Rookie. There's two. Yes. Yes. Uh, my all-time least favorite Steeler quarterback, Mason Rudolph, being one of them. Um, no, I mean you look at guys like I mean you got Zach Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold and you know all these absolute busts and pickets way above them already. Um, well, let's preface this too with saying that you really were sour on Roethlisberger, like his his most of his career, correct? Yes. I didn't. Uh, I, as soon as as soon as 2010, the whole stuff happened. I was out on him as a person. Uh, as you know, from all the allegations of as, yeah, as so, should, far in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I was I was out from that point on. As a player, yeah. I've been out. I was out on him at about 2012 ish. Oh, it's been a long time. When's the last time y'all remember me? Like, yeah, Roethlisberger's the guy. I don't know, but I've just always it, – it seems like he's always been able to just throw people off and just stay in the pocket. Like, he's been doing that for years, even until, like, the last maybe two three. years. That, yeah. Maybe two or three. Like, it, that was when I thought he fell off a little bit. Well, that, I mean, he had the physical tools, but he choked in more big games. So many so many big performances, like postseason losses. Okay, let's list them off up. real fast. You're, 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 like, top three. Big Ben flops. So 07 against Jacksonville. Um, they were really good defense, that team. That was Tomlin's first year. They lost to David Garrard and the Chargers at home. So great, great loss there um, in 07. 
Uh, absolute dud in the Super Bowl against the Packers. That's the worst one. Three interceptions, one return for a touchdown, choked on a last-minute drive when he had Antonio Brown, Hines Ward, Mike Wallace, and Emmanuel Sanders. He had receivers his whole career, so that was a huge choke. Uh, Baltimore in 2013, uh, really good team, um, choked at home. Sorry, it was 14, choked at home, uh, just got railroaded by um, by that defense. Um, that's several. I didn't even mention when he didn't show up against the Patriots, but that was just a given that Belichick was going to eat him for lunch. He was awful in 2016 against him uh, in the postseason. So there's a, a fourth one that's a bonus. Um, most overrated quarterback of his generation. Hey, Moving on. You got me thinking. He's just Love terrible. <laughs> oh, he was he was so overrated. Oh man! Well, now now that the uh, that, that was a good one on uh, on Roethlisberger there, but so you're, I, you're in on you're in on picket a little bit. It sounds like though cautious optimism. All right, I, I agree you think, with Chris? you. Like I agree with that assessment. I, I think Pickett's been fine. Uh, what yeah. I don't like was when I was watching the game, they kept talking about Kenny Pickett like he was Dan Marino out there. <laughs> uh, I mean that, that they just kept like just blowing him in the first half. I think he entered the game with less than 200 yards passing for the game. Is that an accurate stat? 174 yards. <laughs> yes, they made him sound like Dan Marino out there, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, okay, can, can you at least like give me like the guy's probably the 22nd to 25th best quarterback in the game. Yes, uh, <laughs> at this fair. time, at this time. He 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 has he might get better, he might get worse, but he also might get better. But he's he's not Dan Marino, so so just please stop talking about how awesome he is. He missed a pretty easy pass to George Pickens. Uh, not bitter about that at all for gambling purposes. Uh, he missed a very easy touchdown pass to him. Uh, could have potentially it would have won me money, but could have potentially won me money. Would have changed the outcome of the rest of the game. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. So well, well. On Kenny the Pickett's other side, fine. Yeah. He's all right, fine. All right. And we he's undefeated for his career against Tom Brady. <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> a nice stat. So so Pickett's fine. But on the other side of the ball, we also got in that same game. Uh, Jeff Saturday. Speaking of getting better and uh, whatnot, you know, he he may have to get a little bit better to keep the job. But first of all, I guess what do we think about Saturday even getting that job uh, as with no experience and then. Also, his what do we think about him keeping it, and what do we think about his performance, what he could do, just just the Saturday deal overall with Ursay? Yeah, I'll happily take this one. It's so, you. first off, when he was hired, whatever, I don't care. Like, he's not he's not going to be the long term solution. He was just a stopgap stopgap guy. Uh, right. And Ursay goes, hey, he might be able to win the locker room. It's kind of like a Cadillac thing with Auburn. Right. Uh, yeah, it's I a mean, good, there's good comparison. There's a lot of comparisons there. So whatever, I'm not really going to stress about it too much. Uh, it is what it is. I actually think Frank Reich's a good coach, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think Sam Ellinger's bad. But then, then you got he won his first game over the Raiders. Hickey, can you remind me who the head coach of the Raiders is? <laughs> that's our good friend Josh McDaniels. He was terrible. So the media just the like celebrated him so hard. Uh, Jeff Saturday, that is, after he beat a Josh McDaniels-led team. Uh, you knew you knew what was about to follow it up. Uh, I did bet on the Steelers uh, to win. Wow. Uh, because that was why. 
because just Saturday, I mean, has only beaten Josh McDaniels. It was inevitable <laughs> what was going to happen. So that that's what yeah. happened there. That's that's why I picked it. That's that's yeah. He has no chance to keep the job other than Jim Marseille is the head coach or the owner, and he makes irrational decisions from time to time. So yes, he does. Uh, hey, yeah, I like Jeff Saturday. He was Peyton Center. He was. He he did a terrible that's, job at at the. That's my. That's my good sports take right there. It was his a good time, take. His timeout usage was oh. atrocious, very bad. <laughs> Even just like when my, Matt Ryan decided to rush, you just call a timeout and save yourself to 25 seconds and actually take time to call a play Yep. Uh, instead of just hand it to Jonathan Taylor and then just take another 20 seconds, but whatever, and keep rushing for no reason. So, yeah, I, I thought he uh, his performance was what I expected. So that's it. Anything to add there, Mr. Hickman? No, I'm 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 with Chris. Like it's a an interim coach. It's fine. Um, sometimes, like the thing is, sometimes an NFL or really any any head coach could be just a figurehead, and right. if he's somebody the team can rally behind, and you've got good X's and O's people executing, where he's you know the uh, you know. The boss that steers the ships makes some makes some crucial calls, but the nuts and bolts are handled by other other people. It could work. Vrabel's um, a great example of that. Sure, Vrabel's. I mean, he's a top hmm, ten. five, ten. Okay, ten safe. Ten safe. safe. So, so when you say that, you're saying that Vrabel is not an X's and O's guy. I don't know. I think he just wins the players over. Uh, the players fight like hell for him. Uh, his the interaction with uh, Trayvon Burks uh, was phenomenal. Uh, after the block, he he picked it up. Uh, just the encouragement he gave. I think I think he wins the locker room over, and the players play so hard. I think he's pretty good at knowing the game theory, what needs to happen, kind of thing. As in every game he goes into, he says, "Hey, this is going to be a war. Uh, we're going to have to kill the clock. We're going to have to try to limit the number of possessions each team has." Our defense has to play a certain way. I think he's good at the game theory of things. But as far as offensive or defensive specialist, I don't think he's great at either. I just think he's a hell of a leader. He's not going to game plan like, you know, Belichick or Shanahan, but somebody else can. I wonder if an apt comparison would be like Orgeron at LSU when he wins a national championship and is out in two years. Well, I think that's a little generous to Orgeron. But I mean, there's, you mean, you're right. He's, it's true, though. I mean, that was this. I mean, it is a good comparison. Yeah, Everybody loved the guy. He got him fired up, you know, and they had that awesome year, and he talked like a Cajun, and they were all happy. And that's, then, you know, I don't that's know. That's true. He just, I mean, he had a ton of talent. The, I always think of Bobby Bowden. Like, that's the figurehead that comes mm. to mind first to me. Is yeah. he in Florida State forever? He was. When he Mark probably Rick stopped winning those national titles. Well, I mean, yeah, Rick, Rick had a lot to do with those, you know. Um, How many straight straight seasons do they have where they won ten games? Do you happen to know that? Um, the 90s? I don't know. I mean, it was a ton. I, I want to say it was you know, twenty, something like that. Like, so they had some crazy stat where they finished in the top four of the AP from like eighty four to ninety nine or, or two thousand and one. I'll look that up. But um, your ten wins is probably. 20, 15, 20 seasons. I'm going to look it up right now. But uh, well, yeah, those, those, those teams are awesome. 
Yeah, look that up on the Florida State stats. Um, I'm on the, it. Uh, you got that? Uh, we'll, th- we'll talk about it a little bit more on the uh, – Chris, talk yeah. about this. You mentioned Florida State. Had, did, we, did we talk about Peter Warth recently on this podcast? P-Dub? Uh, was, it, was it a Dillard's or a Belk that he uh, had a shoplifting thing at? It was Dillard's, wasn't it? I think it was Dillard's. I can't remember. But do you remember how awesome Peter Warth was? He was awesome. That's, that's, just, that's the first thing I think the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the first thing I think of when I think of Florida State still is Peter Wark. Peter Wark? Yeah, just because how awesome he was. He, yeah, he was, uh, he was, I mean, those, those teams were just absolutely loaded. I mean, hey, that was, that was a big shout out for our, for our Vol slowing down Peter Wark in that 98 championship game. So, all right, 10 wins, uh, 87 through 2000. Wow. Ten, win, years. 10 wins every year, 87 through 2000. Um, finished in the AP top four. Sorry, AP top five. That, that Every one of those years. That's the more impressive stat. <laughs> that is crazy. AP is top nice. five every year from 87 to 2000. Now, how many times did they lose to Florida during that run? Can you see that or not? Um, No. I can find that, though. They probably... Now that was a pretty even split. Spurrier had yeah, a lot of well, teams' numbers. It's probably home and home, essentially. It really was. Ninety six was the travesty. The Florida never should have won that national championship because Florida State beat them in the regular season, and due to a, you know, the old system, they didn't play number one or number two Arizona State. They played each other again in the national championship. Three weeks later, Florida had to play Florida State again after having already beaten them, and then Florida won. But. uh of course that team was unreal too but that's yeah, miami, that miami was the thorn in the side that was the thing they played they played miami and florida out of conference every yeah. year in that well i guess not every year they only came to the acc in 92 i think but yeah those were the those good are, old years those are those are some wild games too so much talent yeah. oh yeah. my gosh especially saturday nights in miami and oh my goodness miami won like that's, what 40 straight home games or something like that at one point in time it was but which which team was it that had the kicker that couldn't make like you know what I mean? It was like wide right. This four times they had three wide rights. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, that crossed them a couple of national. Ninety one was a big one um, when Miami not, Miami won the national championship that year. Could have been Florida State. Florida State's first one was ninety three, and that was even then that was a contested one. They lost in the regular season to Notre Dame. And th- okay, so we're talking about head to head. Here's this is how crazy college football used to be in the season nineteen ninety three. Number one. Florida State lost in the regular season to Notre Dame. Number two, both eleven and one. Florida <laughs> State got the national championship. Number three was undefeated Auburn, who was on probation. They went eleven and zero. Like what? Like that's just how college football used to be. Nebraska was was undefeated, then lost to Florida State in the Orange Bowl. So, I mean, crazy, but like that's, that's wild. Like that's how it used to be. Like the head to head team, Notre Dame beat them on a, on a you know. I, pro- I think I don't know where maybe it was in Notre Dame, probably probably in South Bend. Um, but then they had to choke against Boston College a couple weeks later, and that cost them a national title. So, yeah, it's just funny how how those so things when, work. When Notre Dame looks back at that, is that like one of those um, what they would call like a contested national championship? I don't think they claim it. There's there might have been a poll somewhere because that's I mean, the thing. It used to be a bunch of polls. I mean, they were the main ones, the coaches and the. And AP, so you'd have split national championships like we had ninety in 03. 
with we talked about that earlier, USC and LSU. And then there was one in uh, there was a couple. There was one in 1990 with Georgia Tech, Colorado. There was 91 with Washington and Miami. Um, and so teams can claim both, but I don't think Notre Dame claims 93 because I think both polls, like the only major polls, chose Florida State despite a head-to-head loss against Notre Dame. Reminds me of uh, Tom, Tommy Tuberville saying, "Hey, Golf Digest, I'm uh, uh, I have a membership. I, I've subscribed to your uh, magazine. Can y'all uh, rank us as the national title that one year that they 2004? <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. He was like yeah. begging some somebody anywhere to declare them national title, so you could say it was kind of like U- UCF's uh, national title mm-hmm. thing that they were going campaign." What's that? Every fifteen-year thing or so, <laughs> so something like that. Yeah. Now, would have would that have been the uh, Cadillac team? Oh, four. Cadillac, Ronnie Brown, yeah. Brandon Jacobs was actually on that team. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Don't forget Brandon Jacobs, man. Was... That was like the trio of running backs that was so ridiculous. When your third your third best running back is like the Super Bowl MVP, almost. <laughs> he was a like, stud. Yeah, that was a really good team. I remember. Campbell yeah. Campbell was the quarter was it Campbell the quarterback or no? I'm Casey off. Campbell. Yeah. What's what what's funny is we just mentioned two Auburn teams that were undefeated that did not win the national championship in an era in which if you were a major power five team and went undefeated, you had a very good chance of winning a national championship. And yet Auburn managed to do it twice and not get one. Speaking of Auburn, do you freeze? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk, talk about, about that freeze for just a second. Because that did happen this week, and that was a pretty big deal. Because um, the Auburn fans were getting a little restless, kind of like, kind of like us UT fans did when the, you know, we we're going through Pruitt and all these different coaches, Butch, and um, let's talk about Hugh Freeze because I don't honestly know too much about Hugh Freeze. I know he's gotten in some trouble. Um, heard a little bit about that this past week, of course, with his name coming up. But talk about Hugh Freeze being the hire at Auburn. I mean, if I was an Auburn fan, I would. I would feel pretty awful. Is it Shiano Sunday worthy? <laughs> it's Shiano Sunday worthy. We we had a, a spirited chat in our group thread uh, about this. Um, our Logan uh, frequent podcast uh, participant. Uh, yeah. So like he says, he said, is the same way, is it worse than Bruce Pearl? That's a good, it's a good question. It's a good point. Cause Bruce Pearl has, you know, he's not a great dude. No. There's a, there's a lot of baggage there. Is 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 it worse to hire Hugh Freeze? Um, I don't know. It feels ickier to me. Like, like hit the the nature of what Hugh Freeze dealt with, or dealt with, brought upon himself. Like the, I mean, he what? There's there's allegations that he made like a girl change in front of him when he was coaching high school. He he hired escorts. For like that, that's not even like a debatable thing. It happened, right? Am I am I wrong? Did that oh, not happen? It did. Yeah. Okay. I mean, oh, I think yeah, the escorts see, were for himself. Okay, that's for himself. Yeah. I want to okay. split hairs, but I think it's bad either way. <laughs> Whoever you're hiring escorts for. Yeah, probably not ideal for a leader of men, young men. Uh, and I, I love that his like rehab assignment was essentially go coach football at Liberty. Uh, oh man, one of the one of the slimiest colleges out there. Uh, then he it, he coached in a hospital bed when he had COVID. Remember that? How dare you talk about? I forgot the fall about wells. that. 
he was in the I don't, I don't was it I don't was it COVID or was it something else? I think it was before. I think it was pre-COVID. Chlamydia could have been. I think I, I I remember seeing him in the press box up there, and it was just such a Hugh Freeze thing to do. Oh, uh, no. I think it could go either way. Uh, people say, "Oh, he's a great coach. He's going to win at Auburn. Is he's he? going to win." And I'm like, uh, "He's a good coach. He made he got Malik Willis drafted. I mean, good for him there." Uh, <laughs> I but the thing is like. Auburn's a unique school, and if this thing goes south, it's going to go south fast. So, uh, if if and I don't know, transfer portal has to be his friend because uh, Auburn d- does lack some talent. So he may turn it around fast, but oh, that thing Auburn. could go south and burn. And and I think everybody, but Auburn fans, and maybe some Auburn fans would even love to see that. So. Yeah, I, I think Auburn turns into a dumpster fire. Um, Auburn should have just called Matt Rule the moment he got fired from the Panthers. You're you're competing very quickly. I don't know. Uh, I I'm I was in on Rule, and then uh, every like his Panthers thing was bad. It was some I mean, coaches just don't work in the NFL. College coaches don't always do it. He had a quote, and they were asking about his quarterbacks at Carolina. He's like, oh, I wasn't the GM. And I'm like, you had control oh, over the personnel. Look. Yeah, he threw at his everybody else but himself under the bus. And I was Which like, I don't Ooh. like that. Yeah, it was kind of the red flag. And I was like, maybe this guy is kind of the Dabo syndrome where they their head just like, b- balloons up and they lose tra- track of reality. So I really love Dabo. I can just tell. Yeah, but, him, him Dabo Liberty. Oh, <laughs> that would be a uh, great fit. <laughs> well, we've had some good football talk on this one. Let's let's wrap it up a little bit and um let's do rapid fire uh chug sit pour. How about that? Love it. All right. Chug sit pour. Tennessee having any shot of the playoffs. I will sip as a true Tennessee fan. I will sit my orange concoction. What do you say? Any chance? Poor. Poor. Oh, man. I mean, that that went out the window with uh, last week. I mean, yeah, it did. I mean, there was, yeah, it did. They were. I know. I know. All right. Y'all got it. Tennessee's not one of the four best teams, sadly. I know, but. I have to do it that anyway. Is. Y'all got any chugs at pours? Yeah, chugs at poor twelve team playoff coming in two years. I'm chug. I'm stoked. It'll be so be so exciting. Like I think chug, we'll get mad chug. about some of the matchups every year, but I'm I'm excited. Like this year, what it'd be like? I think Tennessee would host Kansas State or something in the first round, and then go play Michigan. Phenomenal. In in. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna chug reason, that. Uh, yeah, chug, chug, chug. No reason why the, nobody would want uh, more college football. So chug that for sure. Yep. Chug Super Poor, baseball winter meetings starting next week. Did you know? Do you care? Baseball winter meetings, Chug Super Poor. I'm uh, chugging that. I'm all in this year on baseball. I'm all in on the – I'm hot stoving it. You know, I'm doing the – uh fantasy we are doing keeper leagues i'm all in on baseball all the way that was unexpected uh possibly a little facetious 
uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pour out, uh, I'm going to pour out baseball. I'll, uh, I'll be a Braves bandwagon fan, meaning I'll watch them in, in, uh, the playoffs next year. I'm oh, going I, to I answered wrong. I answered wrong. I, I didn't mean to pour that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to chug it. Uh, ever since Hickman moved to Atlanta, the Braves have started spending money. They're talking about being a luxury tax team. Uh, could be a fun off season. So could be, could be a big week next week. So chug. Yeah. I moved to Atlanta. The Georgia turned into a juggernaut. The Braves got better. Tennessee hired Hypel, turned it around. Been a lot of changes. I left Knoxville for that, so you're welcome, East Tennessee. So uh, we'll end it on this. We'll give you a nice little ending here, Chris. We'll uh, okay. Tell me your best. I'll give you mine because I have one. I remember okay. the World Series about a year and well, it was two years ago now. The Braves World Series victory slash the, year. Um, the uh, Jorge Soler home run. I, I haven't watched. Yes, I haven't watched baseball in years, and I wanted to watch the Braves because it was just nostalgia with Jeff Wilder, Mark Lemke, yes. yes. the whole '90s teams. I knew all those teams, and I, I had a uh, great aunt I used to watch all these games with. So I had to go watch the Braves. First game I turned on that guy. What's his name from Kansas City? Uh, Jorge Soler. Oh my goodness, that home run he hit. I've never seen something hit so hard. I was like, well, it got me in. I was like, I'm back in. I watched that whole World Series. It was fun. Tell me about your best memory of that World Series. Uh, my, mine would be when, when the series was over. They won it. Uh, lots of tears, lots of tears. Because the Braves, uh, this is something I wish I had Hickman's knowledge where I could just rattle off all this all this knowledge, but 95 is their last world series, I think. Uh, and they've been really good all, but maybe five years, uh, from 91 through. So 91 to 2021 was that 30 year span. Yeah. Uh, they may have five, five, five bad years in there. So 25 years of really, really good baseball. Uh, and they only had one world series to, for it so seeing the world series uh, i was a little too young to actually in 95 i was nine uh, to actually like understand the world series and get a feeling so uh yeah it was a it was a fun memory i think i called my brother uh and we we celebrated together so that would be mine were you down there yet in atlanta matt yes yeah i watched that on the couch in atlanta people were excited um, I don't have many baseball world series memories at all, but I do have one good one to share. Um, all right. 2016 Cubs Indians goes to seven games. Um, good friend podcast. Uh, I, I'm not the same thing. Like for Logan, what word do I say? Participant host. I don't know. A wall, Alan Wallace, <laughs> Um, he's a Cubs fan, long time diehard Cubs fan. Game seven falls on a night where he had tickets to a Switchfoot concert that his wife had bought him months ago. It's game seven of the World Series. So what you know, what does he do? He actually goes goes to the concert. And I was like, Man, I'm not gonna let you like and he he recorded it. So yeah, I to watch the that. end of it. 
So I I decided I was going to watch it with him, even though I'm not a baseball guy. I lived in Charlotte at the time. Didn't watch the like anything of the game. Managed to stay in the dark. Met him at his house at like midnight. And then that game goes to a rain delay in the middle of game seven. So we're watching it. And by the end of it, we were almost live, like watching it uh, in time. But at like, you know, 2.30 in the morning in Charlotte, AWOL's jumping around his, his living room uh, on that uh, that last out. But that was a good memory watching watching the World Series. Bandwagon Cubs fan I was at the time. So, um, hey, that's the sport. I'm glad to be a front runner. If you want me on board your team, just let me know. Um, Happy to jump on board, uh, you know. Well, you know, I'll probably limit it to Braves and Cubs. If you want me on the Red Sox or Yankees bandwagon, I'm out. Sorry. Got to go on somewhere. I got one more Chuck Zipper pour. Okay. All right. It'll be a quick one because uh, we'll all laugh at it. But all right. a certain player, podcast favorite, Will Levis, declared for the NFL draft. <laughs> Chuck Zipper pour him being drafted <laughs> in the first round. Let's see. I'll... Uh... I'll chug that. Wait, no, no. I answered wrong again. I'll pour that out. Pour it out. Uh, I'm going to chug it happening. Somebody's going to pick him. Seriously, I did mess up. What was the question again? You're saying, will he get drafted? If he's going to get drafted in the first round, you're going to chug it. If he might, maybe, possibly, you'll sip it. And if there's no way in hell he is, you'll pour it out. I'm pouring it. I'm pouring it. I'm pouring it. You think he is for sure. I think something happens and he gets yeah, I think I think he gets he gets the first round grade, he gets drafted in the first round, he goes to I don't know the Jets, the Falcons, someplace. Uh, it's just it's it's not gonna work out. I I will take Kenny Pickett over over Will Levis. We think bus Logan's chops. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna sip it. Uh, I really want to pour it out because he's garbage. Uh, I mean, he, he's been bad every time he's been on the TV screen that I've watched him. Uh, and not just like a little bad. He's been really bad. Every time I've seen him, he's been awful. Yeah. To the point where it's like, I mean, Kyle Bowler got picked in the first round. So, I mean, I, I guess Kyle Bowler would be a good comp for him probably. Uh, That's pretty good. Big arm, terrible team. I think yeah. Bowler got drafted in the first round because he like threw a football through the uprights down his knees. Yeah, yes. from like the forty, the opposite forty. Yeah, he was awful. Yeah, Kyle Bowler's my comp for Will Levis. So that's pretty good. I I hope Logan oh. sticks on this podcast through the baseball talk to get to this good Will Levis talk. This is how, this is good yeah. content. This is what he was love, looking for. I love the evaluation tactic of uh, just saying like every time you've seen him on television, he's no good. <laughs> Like, that's pretty good. You can't argue with that, can you? No, no, can't argue with that at all. I mean, yeah, yeah, I just haven't seen impressive performances. Who, who's the uh, player in all of sports that you can think of that uh, every time you've seen them, they're no good, but they're always on professional sports? I guess I'll say Will Purdue. Will Purdue. <laughs> Oh man, I feel like he NBA always, uh, is the sport for that. I I was yeah. gonna go football and I was gonna go Steelers. I was gonna go Jerome Bettis. Jerome, oh man, yeah, okay. Jerome. Jerome three, Bettis, three yards to carry Jerome. Yeah, you saw him early career. Jerome was a different guy, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, you want to go NBA? So the the. 
the NBA guy, now this is probably blasphemy, but the guy that every time I watched him, I felt like he shot 25%. Half of them were bad shots, played no defense, stood around oh, the no. three-point line. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. I, I think <laughs> is this, is this a New York Nick. This is I a New York I'm, Nick. Uh, a New York Nick. Oh, I thought you does he have a famous dunk? He does not. Oh. Alan Houston? Nope. Spreewell? Spreewell? He, he played he played for the Knicks for a long time. He also played for the Nuggets. Mello? Mello. Oh, he was the best player on Team USA for all the for the a 12-year span. He he played in the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, I mean, this, I feel like every time I watched him in the NBA, he was taking bad shots, slacking on D. Just, you know, they said he was a volume scorer. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could be a volume scorer if you shoot it 30 times. A volume so, score. That's an interesting term. Yeah, that's what he, yeah. you know, I remember the commentary. Well, you know, Camelo's got to get his shots to get points. Uh-huh. I think that was like well, a, a Colin Cowherd take back in the day. <laughs> Patrick like Ewing might take. be on my list. I hated that guy, and I was a Knicks fan growing up. You didn't like the uh, four steps across the lane for the hook shot? Uh, yeah. I, the only thing I liked about that was hearing Marv Albert. That's about it. Yeah. So good. Thank you. No, well, I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. You, yeah, that's a good. That's a that's a good one with Ewing. I do remember one time McClure and I got on a Patrick Ewing deep dive tangent, and we were at one of our basketball trips, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, his his numbers were unreal!" And you do a quick YouTube search, and there's you think of Scotty dunking on him and like pointing the fingers and all that, but there's plenty of Ewing highlights from you know late 80s early 90s where he was he was legit but yeah also think he was if a you have man, it he was like shack-esque athleticism yeah. like for a big dude like be able to move like that but then he just lost it real quick he did yeah, i think if you have like a theory named after you for whenever you're not playing you're hurt uh <laughs> yeah. and your team not gets great. better <laughs> i think patrick you can check some boxes on this one that's what i'm gonna have to go watch some highlights playoffs. though that's hmm? the ninety. That's the ninety nine playoffs. The Ewing team came from, or the gonna... the Knicks. Knicks got like the eight seed, I think, and still made the finals. Replaced him with Marcus Camby. They got more athletic and better defensively, and that was a Spreewell Allen Houston backcourt. That was a that was a fun team. I feel like there's well, about a hundred percent chance my wife's going to uh, want sex tonight, and I'm going to be like, "Hey, let me finish watching these Patrick Ewing highlights." <laughs> You have to wait till tomorrow night, babe. Sorry. That may be a good uh, segue to end it here, but what we can do with this NBA talk is we can we can tease this and say Ooh. next week potentially or whenever we're back together again, we'll we'll do a little bit of a, a Luca Dirk comparison talk, which kind of got started this week, but we'll tease that for another time. But um, good pod, fellas. Good to talk to you, and uh, I'll let you fellas. Ended with the old tagline. If you drink, don't drive. Do the watermelon crawl. Happy birthday, Cole. Happy birthday, Kern. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Kern.